Hello, welcome to the first episode of the John Lyon podcast. I am your host, John Lyon, and today we also have Dallin Lucas. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's a pretty boring intro, but this is the first episode eventually, and my vision will have, you know, in a few months down the line, we'll have an intro song, we'll have a bunch of other stuff. But today, um, I wanted to talk about some movies. So... Like I said in my introduction, a few topics that are spinning around my head is movies, music, video games, um, maybe a little bit of politics, just talking about some crazy things that happen in society, subjects on, I don't know, how to choose a major when you're in college, uh, I don't know, tons of stuff. But the first few episodes of this podcast are basically going to just be us trying out each different topic and seeing how it goes until I kind of format how I want um what structure I want to have and what uh, subjects I really, really want to focus on. There's some podcasts that strictly focus on movies. There's some that strictly focus on music and there's a bunch of in between that. So anyway, down, how you doing? Doing good. Let's I'm going to take a drink of water real quick. Do it, dude. I dare you. Um, so yeah, we have two movie reviews to do down. And I recently saw Spider-Man homecoming and the second movie was War of the Planet of the Apes. Is that what it is? War for the War, Planet. Oh, of War Apes. for. I had that wrong. Um, yeah. So we're kind of just gonna give you uh, our impressions, our reactions, uh, our reviews. We don't really have a score. Maybe I don't know. Best out of ten stars, five stars. Uh, we'll first do the Spider-Man Homecoming review. We saw that a few days ago. Uh, we'll do our reactions, reviews, impressions, and then we will give you a spoiler warning because we don't feel like we can fully review this movie unless we go into spoiler territory. But we will give you a warning, and then you can just skip ahead into the podcast. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have a minute marker for you to skip for. You're just going to have to play around with it, but that's up to you. Uh, and then after that, we will review and give our impressions of War for the Planet of the Apes, and then after that, do our spoilers. And that will be the episode for tonight. So first, Spider-Man Homecoming. It is the first time Disney and Marvel have created this movie, with Sony helping out a bit. Um, so the history of this is that the first Spider-Man came out in what year, Dallin? It's 2002. 2002. So that was a good movie. I was probably 15 years old, and that was Tobey Maguire starring as Spider-Man, Peter Parker. And then Spider-Man 2 came out in 2004, and that set the bar for superhero movies in general that people still talk about today as one of the best superhero movies ever made and one of the best Spider-Mans. Um, and then Spider-Man 3, a lot of people had some mixed feelings about that. Uh, that's when they added a bunch of stuff in like Venom and Sandman and whatnot. Um, that was in 2007. And then they took a short break and they did a reboot series. I don't know, 2011? I think, yeah, 2012, I think. Yeah, yeah. for The Amazing Spider-Man. That was with Andrew Garfield. I wasn't as big of a fan as, of that series. A lot of people actually weren't because that's why it got rebooted. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't as successful. Uh, and then they had Amazing Spider-Man 2, which came out a few years later. I think that was 2014. Yeah, yeah. And that had some more. There was some good stuff about that as well. Um, but yeah. And then finally, Disney made an offer to Sony saying, hey, uh, it doesn't look like you're doing too good with the series. Can we have Spider-Man back as a co-ownership and we can stick him in? Captain America Civil War. And once Spider-Man came out in Captain America Civil War, 
everyone went crazy because he was only in the movie for a good 15, 20 minutes, maybe. I would say less than that. Um, Actually, it's probably like the, the duration that he was beginning and ending, but probably like eight minutes, maybe. Yeah. So he wasn't in there uh, for too long, but everyone got super excited. So now we're in 2017 and Spider-Man Homecoming is the newest release for Spider-Man being in what they call the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I thought it was amazing. What about you, Down? <laughs> I'll get more into it, but what I was, I'll let you talk first. What are your impressions of the movie? I know you saw it twice. I've only seen it once. Yeah, so my initial uh, impression of the movie was positive. Like, I really, I really like, um, what's his name? Uh, I can't even think of it. T- uh, Tom Holland. He's an awesome Peter Parker, and he's an awesome Spider-Man. His birthday was this week, actually. Was it? He just turned 21. Nice. Which Wait, 21? Yeah, and he plays a 15-year-old. I thought he was like 19. Which is better than Tobey Maguire, who was almost 30, playing yeah. a high schooler. But anyway. Yeah, he definitely looks like he's 14 or 15, so yep. it works. Um, But yeah, I, the, my initial thoughts of it were it was it was awesome it was i'm a huge spider-man fan it's been like pretty much my favorite superhero growing up um so yeah just i I had that initial connection with it and i had expectations pretty high and i feel like they delivered on all those nice yeah uh i was a little skeptical about the trailer there are some people who feel that maybe it wouldn't be a complete standalone spider-man movie but because they have to tie it so heavily into the avengers but it was an amazing movie tom holland is amazing as peter parker um the action was really good the comedy was really good a lot of people are saying they like it because it feels like a good old 80s high school teen bopper john hughes john hughes who's john hughes by the way he's a director he did the breakfast club oh yeah breakfast club amazing bueller that kind of stuff yeah so they even referenced ferris bueller in the movie yep so, um, but yeah, the movie was really good. The villain was played by Michael Keaton, who's kind of doing a return to movies ever since he did that movie. Was it Birdman? Birdman, yeah. And then he also did another movie after that. Uh, I can't remember what it is. But anyways, he's making a big return to movies. I think he's in another one coming out called something that has to do with the assassin. He's basically, in my mind, pulling a Liam Neeson where he's older now and he hasn't been in movies a while. So he's coming back and making a, a buttload of money. Uh, Oh, he was in um spotlight. Oh yeah. yeah spotlight. Yeah. He did really that one best picture two years ago, two years ago, two yeah. years ago. Yeah. So Michael Keaton plays uh, the vulture. Um, and they did a really good job of portraying the vulture. Cause if anyone's ever seen the comic books for Spider-Man, he's like an old skinny man in a leotard with like feathers around his neck. So they had to adapt it to make them more realistic and they did a really good job. Um, and a big complaint Marvel gets is their bad guys or villains are not that great. There's not much depth to them. If, uh, yeah, they're very one note. Yeah. I want to destroy the world. I want to take over the world kind of thing. It's like, this is my mission and then that's it. Yeah. And so there's been a few good villains. I'd say the better villains in my opinion are on the Netflix series, like the daredevil at Kingpin. They have 13 episodes. They have 13 hours to go into, the depth of a character or a villain, but they don't have that much time when it comes to a movie. Uh, but I'd say Vulture is one of the best because it looks, it just shows him as a, a, just a 
Joe Schmo trying to earn a living for his family. He uh, picks up scrap after the event in the Avengers. They connect it that way. And then he gets wronged by Tony Stark because Tony Stark creates this new company called Damage Control. And anytime the Avengers destroy anything, his company takes care of it. And that puts Michael Keaton's character out of business. And so then he gets revenge by stealing alien tech, a bunch of other stuff. And they start building these weapons and stealing from Tony Stark and a bunch of other people to make money. So um, I'm trying to think of what else was really cool about the movie. This is gonna be some dead noise right here. <laughs> you can cut this. I can cut this. Um, <laughs> let's go with uh, three things you liked about the movie. Let's do that down. Go ahead and start us off. Okay, so um, basically with the old Spider-Man movies, like when I when I first saw Spider-Man one, I liked the fact that his webs were organic, like they came out of his body. He didn't like make the cartridges. Um, because when I was a kid, I was like, well, it doesn't make sense if he's not actually making them from his body. Like, then he would just be stick to the wall, man, and <laughs> and, and spider sense, man. Because without spider webs, like, you're not really a spider. Um, and then they switched it to Amazing Spider-Man with the actual cartridges. And they did it again in this movie. And it, it, it it's a good thing. It's a good aspect because it... It lets you know that Peter Parker is a genius. He's a scientist. He knows he's a lot smarter than than you would think. And I really like the fact that they they tapped into how or how uh, he is in the comics. He's a he's a science geek, and that's what he loves doing and making things and experimenting with things and um. Yeah. Uh, number two. Number two. Um, yeah, like you were saying with the villains, it's really hard to to have an origin story of a movie of a superhero and a villain at the same time. Because you have to see, can I give them equal screen time? Yeah, and so that's that's the that's the plus of this movie not being an origin story of Spider Man, because then you can spend more time delving into the villains, which they did a fantastic job with um because like you were saying like the the biggest issue with the marvel cinematic universe is their villains they just kind of have one goal in mind and they they don't they they work towards that goal then they get defeated they die and then that's the end of them. Yeah, they even said in a recent interview that they try to focus more on the superheroes anyways. Like yeah. they understand the criticism, but their movies are always going to be about the superheroes. Exactly. Yeah. But that's because most of the time they're trying to set up heroes and yeah. let you get to know them better. But most people know who Spider-Man is. So we don't have to see Uncle Ben die. We don't have to see him get bit by a spider. Like yeah. the general public knows that those things happened considering they've been done in two different trilogies yeah. or two different mo- movies with two different actors. And so I enjoyed that they spent a lot of time on the villain and made him relatable. And um and yeah, so that's number 2. Number 3 uh the one thing I was very worried about but I think they handled it perfectly was the use of Iron Man 
Because oh, I was yeah, worried yeah. that they were going to have way too much Iron Man and he was just kind of going to be like the the ace in the hole, whatever, that just comes in and saves the day if anything goes wrong. Not even just saves the day for the story, but saves the movie. Yeah, just saves it, like comes in and just like takes takes over the show like Robert Downey Jr. mostly does in all the movies. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, And so, yeah, that I, I liked the relationship that tony had with peter and how it wasn't overbearing and he wasn't trying to control the movie um it was it was just very well balanced yeah so it's good three my three number one would be i almost had a complaint about it but they didn't show spider-man swinging through the giant skyscrapers and I like used to I'm not I'm used to the other movies where he's constantly jumping off high buildings and whatnot. And I, I had that complaint until they explain it late in the movie, and it's not really spoiling it, but it's in the trailer when he goes on the Washington monument in Washington DC, he even says, I haven't been this high before. So as soon as they said that, that was one thing I liked about the movie because they explained it. Yes, he's not going to be jumping off skyscrapers and doing the crazy stuff we see him do in other movies because he's not trained for that much yet. I can just imagine in Spider-Man too when they do it with Tom Holland that there'll be a scene where he sees how high he can go or something like that or he has to jump off a high building to save somebody and that's the only way to get down the building or something like that. Uh, number two, I love the humor. There was a lot of times where I was laughing and I felt like the people they got to cast as the other students, they all felt like they were in high school. They all felt like they were just bantering back and forth and even though Flash is a punk and he's a bully and he called what was he? Peter Parker? Uh, Penis Parker? Penis Parker, Like, yeah. he was still a geek himself, but it's almost like he was just like, I don't know. He he didn't seem like the, I was glad it wasn't like the jock. It was just the, uh, just somebody who's just, more popular than just him. Just a bully. Exactly, yeah. just a bully. Uh, my third thing that I liked was freaking Aunt May, dude. Marissa Tomei was freaking hot in that movie. And I just watched Seinfeld, so she was on that, but that was like 20-year-old show, and she was way younger, but... Marissa Tomei, damn. <laughs> Do you got anything to say on that one, Dallin? Okay, can I switch mine? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, but I actually, I, I do, I just thought of something that I actually, like, was a high point for me, and that was the, the score. Okay. Um, Michael Giacchino. Michael Giacchino, he's been one of my favorite composers for a long time, since, like, Alias and Lost. Okay, so he's worked with J.J. J. Abrams a lot. Yeah. Okay. Pretty much all of his films he he does and okay. tv shows um he's like whoever it was for um eight and almost said adolf hitler hitchcock <laughs> yeah hitchcock. hitchcock i can't remember his composer it wasn't elmer bernstein but anyways there wasn't a composer yeah. that did every movie with alfred hitchcock yeah and then john williams john williams is steven, steven spielberg, spielberg and george lucas yeah but yeah so michael giacchino's score like i i always have like high expectations for that guy and he definitely brought it because spider like the last spider-man movies their their themes were just really basic and flat and this one like you're talking about amazing spider-man yeah the amazing spider-man yeah because spider-man the regular one yeah, sam Raimi's yeah, the, with those, danny elfman yeah those are good th that score is amazing um but then the amazing spider-man wasn't amazing yes <laughs> like just average and one of the best part is they finally i mean they, in the original spider-man's one two and three they added some weirdo on the street singing the old 70s theme song yeah but the very as soon as this movie starts they finally do the spider-man spider-man 
that theme song, they do it with orchestral music, and yeah. it sounded freaking sick. With the Marvel Studios logo. It's yep. really It like really brought you into the movie. Yep. They save that to co-align with Marvel's not stupid Sony. Yeah. <laughs> Sony's <laughs> logo was introduced a yeah. few minutes earlier in the movie. And it made it feel like, okay, like, this movie is back with Marvel Studios. Like we're gonna take care of this movie. We know we we love this yep. this character just as much as you guys. And hence the and they showed it double meaning for Spider Man Homecoming. Yeah, there's a homecoming in the movie, and it's homecoming because it's finally back at the MCU where it belongs. Um. Okay. So let's do one thing we maybe thought they could have improved on in the movie. I always like to do three things that are positive and one thing you could have improved on. Yeah. It makes it sound not as bad. I'll let you go first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so one thing they could have improved on. Um, ooh, I don't know if there is any. I mean, there's got to be something. There's a, no no movie's perfect, but one the thing that's coming to my mind is maybe a little more screen time with the vulture, just to give him a little bit more depth. I feel like they gave him enough, but maybe, or I don't know. That's like the only nitpick i can think of and wasn't even that big because that movie was pretty flawless all the way through anything that you felt like not even necessarily they can improve on but maybe necessarily like maybe they could have gone into deeper or something maybe you wish they would have shown more of um and if there's nothing then there's nothing well i can't i can't really think of a single thing but when i was looking back at ranking this towards the other spider-man movies oh like from best to worst or worst yeah to best. it's like it, it's really hard for me to place this one because it's one of those movies where it almost can't stand on its own oh, okay yeah we were like talking you about the have to have the other movies like civil war you have to have seen civil war for this to make more sense because even though the movie starts off with him his point of view from civil war on his phone like recording it like it still would be yeah. better to have the context of that whole movie like yeah you need you need that like Tony Stark showing up in his room, like saying, Hey, like, come, oh, yeah, come on, come with us to this, this mission. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's one thing I, I always think about going into every movie is can this movie stand alone or do you have to see the previous ones? You're talking about when you go into this? any movie, any, any, any movie, movie or... of a series. Okay. Especially the MCU. Cause yeah. we're like on like what movie 19 or movie 20 something. Uh, 15 i think okay so there's gonna be like 22 movies total in this entire arc of phase one two and yeah. three yeah and we're in phase three right now yeah and every phase audience if you didn't know this every phase is finished off with an avengers movie correct mm -hmm. so no that's pretty good well i i guess technically ant-man is phase two, oh yeah you know, you're he right comes after yeah but whatever yeah so uh no that's our review of spider-man uh do we want to get into spoilers um do we do we i don't know okay we're gonna get into spoilers um, well, first off, let's just give you our score or if you should go see this movie that way, you guys get the score or get our rating or our review. Then we can jump into spoilers that way you, you at least get the score or our rating. Um, and then you can skip ahead. So out of 10, what would you give it down? I would probably give it for a Marvel fan. I'd, I'd give it a 10. Like a Marvel fan definitely needs to go see this movie. They'll love it. Yeah. Um, but for an average movie goer, probably an eight. Okay. I'd say around that. I, I was saying like an 8.5 or a nine overall. I totally agree with you on the Marvel thing. Like, yeah, this is a, if you're part of the MCU universe and like you've been seeing every one of these Marvel movies, you're going to see it anyways, but like you need to get to the movie as soon as possible. Do not wait till it's like almost out of theaters or, or rental. Like go see it now. 
And then, but for overall movie, yeah, I'd say like 8.59 because of those small things that we were talking about. How can you see this movie on its own? Um, should they have given a little more screen time to the vulture? Um, just a little bit of nitpicks. Other than that, it's an amazing movie. Yeah, it'll, it, it's a fun movie. Like, if you haven't seen any of the other Marvel movies, like, it's a really fun movie. Yeah. Like, the high school aspect of it. Like, him and his friend, like, their their connection is awesome. Um, but it'll make a lot more sense if you've seen the other movies. Yeah. Okay, so here's your spoiler warning. We are going to talk about spoilers for just a few minutes. If you do not want to hear this, just skip ahead a few minutes, and we should be done talking about going on to the next movie. Um, so spoilers, is there anything that stood out to you that you really liked or was just kind of crazy that they're kind of connecting? Well, the big one, of course, is when you when Spider-Man or when Peter Parker goes to pick up his date for homecoming. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. That was insane. I wasn't even expecting that. And then the door opens and it's Adrian Toomes, the vulture. Yeah. It's and because she's the girl he's digging is half black. So they threw you off with the fact that there's no way the vulture could be her dad or, or whatever. You don't think about it because he's white. Yeah. Well, and, and for comic fans who were speculating who it was because they know Liz. Oh, yeah. Is you're from right. The comics, but her last name is Alan in the comics. Oh, because they switched it for the movie. So they didn't like make the connection. But then in the movie, it's Liz Toomes, who's the vulture's daughter. Yeah. That was a crazy twist. That was good. I wasn't even seeing that. I did not even see that. When he opened the door, I was like, just about felt as sick as Peter Parker did. And Peter Parker looks so funny throughout the rest of that scene. Like, he couldn't even take a picture while and smile because he was just so weirded out, which is good because, like, they kind of had scenes like that in the Sam Raimi versions where Peter Parker found out. But I think that Tom Holland was not that it's more believable, but it's believable that a 15 year old would act like that. Well, and and the circumstance, like yeah. you're meeting the dad of your date for the first time. Yeah, like, that's already nerve wracking. And then add the fact that he's been trying to kill yeah. you is pretty crazy. And then a few minutes after that is when the vulture starts to figure out that it is yeah, Spider-Man and Peter Parker the, the same. Yeah. And then for your audience who are listening, like the scene that did it for me for Michael Keaton was when he has the typical uh, talk with the date and the daughter goes to the dance and the dad's going to give him a lecture. But it's not only that, but it's if you do anything else, I'm going to kill you because I know who you are. Yeah, That was a pretty intense scene. Um, and then there's the always good Easter eggs they throw in where Mac Gargan, who plays Scorpion, yeah, they threw him in there and he'll eventually come up maybe in another movie. Maybe he'll just be a quick cameo. Maybe the first boss of the movie, kind of like how they did Crossbones. Yeah. Maybe he'll just be something like that. He'll pop up in the next Spider-Man. Um, no, that was probably some of the craziest spoilers. And then the fact that Pepper Potts is back in the mix yeah i was it, very glad to see that yeah because civil war it just showed that i maybe it just because of scheduling issues they made a storyline that like that they him were and, taking a break him and iron man were taking a, uh, her and iron man were taking yeah. a break well she was iron man and iron man 3, that's so. true that's true uh but uh tony stark and pepper Potts are back together and he even proposed to her right that's what they allude to that, yeah. that was the diversion because spider-man was not going to announce the fact that he was part of the avengers and so. turned down the scarlet spider suit like, that was that sick. looked amazing yeah it was like has gold and everything um i don't know there's any other spoilers the the other one like this this is like the biggest debate online is the mj reveal oh gosh let's get in some politics in the movies right now (laughs) and so yeah there's there's the people that are upset that that uh zendaya's character michelle is mj and even though like kevin feige confirmed that 
She's not. She's not the MJ. She's we not know Mary Jane Watson of but, the redheaded white chick who's an actor who Peter meets in college. But she has the, a nickname that she gave herself, MJ. I'm thinking basically. that they threw that out there because like they wanted to switch it up and get really like, let's let's make her black. And then when they found out the fan reaction before the movie came out, they're like, actually, let's just call her MJ. But she's not gonna be the same MJ. And they might have done that. I don't know. Maybe maybe Michelle is a watcher. And so she like keeps tabs on all like super powered people. Oh, for this from the comics. The, oh, the people, the big heads. Yeah, the in big space? heads. They like they keep, showed them in Guardians of the Galaxy yeah, Volume Two. They keep tabs of people. Oh uh, like, yeah. Well, they even did. Then they do promotions or like they revealed set photos a year ago where she actually had a red wig on. I don't know if that was like real or if it was a fan photo. Like or if it was for something at some other event and they just said it was Maybe. for Spider Man. Anyway, people are getting pissed because they changed the character to black. I don't care. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> I get it because, yeah, I don't even care if it's this. It's the skin color is like whatever, but like I would be more upset that they actually changed her personality. Because Mary Jane Watson is very, I'm a movie star. I've got a nice body, whatever like that. But like her personality, if this was supposed to be the same MJ, it wasn't even the same. This girl was just a very like a loner. She'd make jokes like I'm going to go protest. She was... Just talking about other things, and she was very like anti-social, but like still had a thing for Peter. I don't know. Yeah. Didn't Kevin Feige basically say? By the way, Kevin Feige, if you don't know, he's like the producer slash head of all these Disney movies. He's the one of, in charge of every one of them connecting, and he makes a buttload of money basically. Yeah. He's like the architect for all of these movies. But anyway, so yeah, the one of the funniest lines in that whole movie. This is spoilers. Is at the very end where Ned's getting caught in the computer, and the teacher asks, "What are you doing?" And he said, "I'm looking at porn." Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I knew that's what he was going to say, but I laughed out loud in the movie yeah. theater, even though that's what he said, because it's just the delivery was good and it was really good. So, yeah. Oh, yeah and then one last spoiler. Okay, go ahead. When Aunt May finds out. Oh, my gosh. Who Peter Parker is. That was so, that's a good way to end the movie. Uh, when Aunt May said, what the, f-? and she, they bleep out the F word, but that she finds out that, that her nephew is. She sees him in the suit. Suit. And so, but I've already heard people saying, speculating that all he has to do to cover that up is like, oh no, Tony Stark just gave me this nice, realistic no suit way. that looks like it. I think if they do that, that'll be stupid. I think they should just go forward, not have this whole. Because I think in the original Sam Raimi trilogy, Aunt May found in, out in the second one, right? Or she says, I've always known in the third one. I think, she, yeah, I think she finds out in the third one. Yeah. I'm glad Mary that. Jane finds out in the second yeah, one. Yeah, that's what it was. I'm glad that Aunt May, if, this, if they do go with how they should, she finds out, and that'll add a whole new dynamic. To where we only got a little bit of that cool dynamic of his aunt knowing on the third movie of the old trilogy, but now we can just know right away like how much more she's going to be worrying about him and what different kind of conversations she'll have with him and what kind of advice she'll give her own nephew if she knows he's Spider-Man instead of like let's wait till the last movie of the trilogy to show like that she always knew kind of thing. Mm. So anyway, that's our review of Spider-Man. That's our take on it. That's our impressions, our reactions, spoilers review. Uh, now we're gonna jump into. War for the Planet of the Apes. So I actually was saying up late last night on Wikipedia, <laughs> looking up all the other Planet of the Apes movies because I've seen quite a few of them. They were TV reruns when I was a teenager. They were like on some sort of channel when I was um, watching TV, doing nothing else. So I've seen quite a bit of the old uh, Planet of the Apes movies, but um, they rebooted the series in 2011 around the same time they rebooted the amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. I think 
So this is the third and final movie, supposedly, <laughs> of the trilogy of the new rebooted series. It has um, the first movie, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, showed Caesar as a baby and then growing up and then causing the revolt and then a virus spread throughout the entire earth and killed off most of the humans. The second one I read, it picks up 10 years later. Yeah. Or 12. Is it 12? I think it's 12. 10 or 12 years later. It's called Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. That one was really good. That one came out in 2014. And this one is the conclusion to the trilogy where most of humanity is whipped out. It's just different militaries fighting each other. And the apes are trying to protect themselves because they're going to get wiped out by the humans because the humans do not want to... Uh, have the apes take over and have a planet of the apes as the movie is um, or the, the saga or the movie series is called. Um, I really, I really liked it. Um, it wasn't like uh, a lot of people were saying it's like one of the best trilogies they've seen in a while. Like I wouldn't say that I, some of the other podcast people I listened to said that. I don't know if I fully agree with that. It was definitely a solid trilogy. Like we haven't seen one of these solid trilogies or even just if you, if you don't take the trilogy consideration, like it was a solid summer blockbuster movie. Um, but War for the Planet of the Apes, I don't know how I'd rank it as far as I, I in some ways I like number two better because of Koba. Koba. I can't say it. Yeah. <laughs> the ape if that we had Phil here. Yeah, if we had Phil oh, that's a oh whatever. <laughs> they don't know what Phil looks like. Um Yeah, but what do you think? What are your impressions or your reactions after watching? We saw that movie last night, by the way. We were recording this Friday, we saw that Thursday night. So yeah, so like I was saying about Spider-Man or other movies of sagas, um, I always go into the movie thinking, can I watch this movie by itself without having to watch the other ones? Mm-hmm. And if you go into this movie just knowing that um, there's a virus that's killing humans and making apes smarter, then that's all you really need to know to go into this movie. Yep. It doesn't like touch on anything really that happened in the past you just go into this movie it's a very good standalone uh planet of the apes movie yeah and they do have a synopsis like we talked about last night yeah uh they have a quick synopsis in the very beginning of the movie where it does like a paragraph or a couple sentences for each movie so you kind of get a recap of rise of the planet of the apes you get a recap of dawn of the planet of the apes and then you get a sense or two of what's happening in this story in this movie so that's a good recap in itself if you've never yeah, seen that, any of the other movies yeah that makes up for everything like that's all you need to know yeah um and another uh big plus for me was the score again oh yeah it's, guess who it, it was is it michael giacchino, michael giacchino there again. you go it seemed very uh old school like yeah. some of the notes he was hitting and some of the 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 sounds it sounded very 70s like some of the old soundtracks for the old planet apes movies not exactly but it had that old reminiscent um sound of those old movies which i've read online on certain articles and people were also pointing out the same thing the the score sounded very reminiscent of the, some of the older movies and it kind of it made it sound even more because we don't really have those typical scores like that anymore. Yeah. I guess. And that's one thing I've liked about Michael Giacchino. He like, he can, he understands the emotion that yeah. a movie needs. Uh-huh. And this movie that had so many beats in it that needed something to be extremely emotional. Yeah. And the music really delivered on those, uh, crucial points. Yeah. Um, so I'll start off three things I liked about that movie is first off the freaking motion capture in the computer animation, which by the way, I looked up is Weta Digital. Yeah. Who did Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit, the 
basically the cool New Zealand crew that started with Lord of the Rings and now they're just making big movies because they've shown how much they can advance technology. But the close-ups they had on some of those apes, we were talking about last night, like it seems like a real animal. And you pointed out the fact that the apes, when they're sitting on the horses, like you can't tell the difference between the real horse that we know of and the apes that are sitting on, like they blend it perfectly yeah. together. So that's one thing I really liked is the... They, they're not afraid no. of showing it. Like they're just like, this is what we made. So yeah. they like zoom right in on yeah. the faces. They get the eyes of the apes. They get the nostrils. They get the breathing. They get like the teardrops. They get everything. And it is just like crazy how much technology has come forth. Even though, I mean, they obviously put a lot of money into it, but still like technology is about even when movies come out, but you just know that some movies... The techno, like the computer animation, is just not as good either because they don't invest much money into it, or the people just suck. Yeah, but I don't know what it is. That's one thing I liked about it was the motion capture and the face animations for the apes was insane. Yeah, it wasn't distracting. Nope. The so. the Academy Awards never give out awards to computer animated characters, right? Because they don't feel like it's a real performance. Um, I don't know if that's the reason, but they just haven't yet. Yeah, and if the, any movie like they they've. Every Planet of the Ape movie that Andy Serkis, who also did the motion capture for Golem and Smeagol on Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, he's done the motion capture for Caesar, the main ape, and he needs to be nominated or at least recognized for his achievements because yeah. he... I think he's received an honorary okay. Academy Award. But not for that? or I th- No, I think it was the last, the last Academy Awards he got something. Yeah. So just, there's not, just for achievement. Yeah, there's not a the, right now audience. There's not a there's not a category for, for like best motion capture character. And yeah. motion capture is when they put those little technological like you put you like in a skin tight suit and they put the balls all over you and they just capture your movements, um, or motion capture. Hence mocap is when they call it. Um, so that's the first thing I liked about it. Mm-hmm. Second thing I liked about it was the action scenes. They were pretty intense, and some of the explosions you could tell they were practical effects. And I don't think you can ever beat, uh, to this day, like practical effects, like a CGI of explosion, like fire compared to like, when you see those things explode and just fly everywhere, um, that just makes the movie feel like way more grounded mm-hmm. with all the explosions. Um, and the third thing I liked was just, you really, they did a good job in my opinion of like making you feel sorry for the apes, which they've always done. I felt like in all three of these movies, but especially this one, especially for Caesar's character. And they even made you feel a little bit for the the human characters because we'll talk about later in the spoilers, but there is something happening uh, to the humans. Like the virus that happened in the first movie that wiped out a bunch of people, the virus is evolving again to where it's doing something new to the humans. And so you kind of had a little bit of sympathy from why certain humans like, um, what's the actor's name? Woody Harrelson. Yeah his character of why he does the way he does. Um, but those are the three main things I really liked about war for the planet of the apes. What about you down? Um, so yeah, so I said the score, I love the score. It just, it hits you at the right time, like to make you feel a lot more connected to the characters at crucial points. Yeah. Um, the characters just were amazing. Like Maurice's character, like they expounded more on him. Yeah. And he's a Caesar's, psychic orangutan yeah the orangutan. it's like his almost advisor yeah and just how like dedicated he is to serving caesar and making sure that caesar's safe and um it was just it was great like the throughout the whole movie like just the payoff of of him protecting caesar and um uh, all the other characters too like they do they did such a good job at at uh distinguishing each ape 
from another one. Even if they all look the same. Yeah. Is that racist? I'm just kidding. That could be. (laughs) But they do a good job at at helping you recognize, oh, this is this ape, this is this one. Yeah, because they all like they look a little different. But if if you couldn't catch the looks, they at least had the personality was different. Yeah, and and I thought they did a fantastic job with that. And um, third thing, uh, let's see. Um, I I really I really like the the dynamic with Woody Harrelson and Caesar. How yep. Like that whole monologue of him explaining why he is doing what he's doing and why he has all the apes working for him. Yeah. Like that was just very, that was a very powerful moment. And, um, and it made me respect Woody Harrelson more as a, as an actor. Yeah. He's been in a lot of movies, a lot of big movies that I haven't seen. Yeah. Like one of the most famous ones, Natural Born Killers, but I was too young to watch that when I was a kid and I still haven't gone back to watch it. Yeah. And he's, he just like, never ceases to amaze me like how good of an actor he is um so yeah i think those are my main three also with the villain i like how there wasn't like a giant reveal like here's the villain of the movie yeah. he's the one who snuck up in the very beginning into mm-hmm. their base with the other soldiers but like there was just you he turns around and he's got that black makeup on like the mud on him and that was it like i i didn't i some movies they like let's have a big old um you know so you know this is the villain it was just like he was just slid right into the movie and it felt yeah. a lot more natural um one thing that maybe they could have improved on, or maybe one thing you wish they would have. Mine might be going into spoiler territory, but I don't know if I no. I feel like the the movie actually. Here's another positive that I thought about. The movie was very reminiscent of The Great Escape. Yeah, I freaking love that movie. If anyone's ever seen The Great Escape, it's a good old nineteen. I think it's nineteen sixties movie about the prisoners of war in uh, World War Two who escaped from the concentration camps mm-hmm. i think or the prisoner of war camps anyway there was a lot of scenes that were very reminiscent of that but i don't i don't know maybe you have yours on what you thought that they could improve on or maybe something you wish they would have done more of um my I, I don't know i i really i really liked pretty much the movie as a whole um but the expectation of going into the movie thinking there's going to be a big war like that's yeah that's that's the not gonna happen i'd say that's the one i'd agree with and that's probably my exact same one they they even the trailers kind of made it look like there's gonna be this giant battle which there is don't get us wrong but it's not like all apes versus all humans kind of like the old there was the very last the fifth movie of the old 1960s and 70s movie was called battle for the planet of the apes and that one was like a war between humans and and that wasn't it wasn't really the case in this one yeah it was definitely more of a battle than a war yeah um, and maybe, maybe war is too strong of a word. Maybe they should have used battle, or maybe they should have, uh, maybe not a physical war. Maybe it was like a full philosophical war. Maybe that's why they named it that. I don't know. Maybe, but I that I think that's pretty much my only nitpick. <laughs> it's just the title of the movie um, sets expectations incorrectly. Yeah. But and it was my fault watching some of my other fav- favorite podcasts who review movies they were one of the ones who said it's one of the best trilogies they've seen since like lord of the rings or or the ones like that that might have gotten my expectations a little too high but that was my fault for watching that review before i went and saw the movie but yeah anyway um so do we want to talk about spoilers i think if we talk about spoilers i'll be able to explain okay <laughs> a little bit so better, but, again yeah. if you don't want to hear us talk about spoilers um, just skip ahead a few minutes, and then after this, when you skip ahead, it'll just be us concluding this podcast, episode one. Uh, so, here's your warning again. 
pause it, stop it, or skip ahead if you do not want to hear spoilers for War for the Planet of the Apes. All right, you guys have been warned. What was it you wanted to explain about the spoilers? Um, so yeah, so the War for the Planet of the Apes, the, the battle at the end isn't even a battle of apes against humans. It's hu- a group of humans against other humans. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting that. That was kind of a little bit yeah. of a twist. That they so it was threw cool. Yeah. It was cool. Um, I, I did enjoy that, that it may, it caused the distraction so that the apes could all escape. Yeah. And so maybe it's the humans warring for the planet of the apes. Because yeah. in their minds, maybe the the planet is already overrun by apes or something. Well, like yeah, that. That, that's true. That's it, a, one way of looking at the title. Yeah. Because they definitely get wiped out. Yes. So <laughs> it was really cool. I wasn't even expecting the avalanche. Yeah. That was a really cool scene and all the apes climbing up the trees very quickly. Yeah. That was really cool. It's interesting that they're fighting to end the the battle for the planet of the apes but then they end up killing each other and yeah. making it just a planet of apes. and we don't and i mean they were they're alluding to it but we don't know if there's any more humans i'm assuming there's got to be a little bit of more because that giant army that comes at the very end they had to come from somewhere and mm-hmm. i'm assuming they didn't just dump out all their soldiers on this one last battle maybe they did i don't know um oh we've got to talk about bad ape Played by, oh, yeah. what was his name? Steve Zahn? Steve Zahn, yeah. I haven't seen that guy. He's mostly in comedies, but I thought Bad Ape added just enough comedy, and it made it, because it's a pretty intense movie as far as emotionally what's going on with the apes, especially Caesar, so it was nice to have a little bit of lighthearted moments to kind of make you laugh and realize that there can be still a bit of comedy or laughter in a very, could be seen as a depressing movie. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I felt the tension in the audience. They, yeah. They wanted to laugh at something. So there were certain points where things happened that weren't that funny, but oh, yeah. there were people that were chuckling because they felt like they needed it because the movie is very, um, I don't know what the word it's is. Not like for d- it, it's not like, it's it's kind of a dark movie, but it's not like, don't get us wrong, folks. Like we're not saying it's like the most depressing movie ever. It's not, it's just, but there there's moments that, that are just really deep. Yeah. And, very emotional, and very emotional and make, like just very yeah heavy scenes and that they, people want to laugh at or yeah. have have they did some a, laughter. They, did, they didn't like just throw in a com- comedic from Bad Ape like right after that because that would have stolen from the moment of the emotional mm-hmm. moment. They they put the Bad Ape funny moments in the right spots where there it'd been a, a few minutes since you'd seen something tragic to make it it, it wouldn't they, it didn't and, ruin the emotion of and the they sad slowly scene. built into the the intensity of his jokes. Yes, because the first ones were just little ones and then they like. Most of them that I were laughing at was like his mannerisms, the animation on that to make him seem like so timid. And then the way he walked, remember he was running around the corner and then he slipped. Yeah. That was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, what about the deaths? Because there was quite a few deaths in this movie. Spoiler alert. We've already told you Caesar, the main ape, he dies, which is good. Cause it, it concludes the trilogy. Um, the first ape to die though is that sets Caesar off is his wife and one of his mm-hmm. sons. He's got two sons. One was called Blue Eyes. I yep. looked that up. The other son was Cornelius. He was like a baby, which, fun fact, uh, one of the older apes in the very, very first Planet of the Apes movies, who was a sympathizer for the humans, was named Cornelius, yeah. which would make sense if they're connecting it that way because he would learn to sympathize for the humans from his father, Caesar, or from Maurice, the orangutan. Mm-hmm. Other fun fact is the reason why the orangutans uh name is maurice in this trilogy because the actor who played the orangutan in the original movies was named maurice Hmm. i found that out last night on the internet cool thank you internet uh so caesar dies 
his main gorilla friend, I think his name is Luca. He dies. Yeah. And then that's that's and then the the mother and the Yeah, so son. so that's what kind of sets off the chain of events For is Caesar, is yeah. when his wife and son. son get killed by Woody Harrelson's character. Colonel, I don't they just call him the Colonel. I don't remember his last yeah, name. I don't remember it. But but yeah, that's that's what like really gets the movie going. Yeah. I actually teared up. The one I, I, I get a little emotional, people, sometimes uh, when it comes to movies. The one I actually, the one that got me the most was when they snuck up on the camp and the gorilla protected him. Luca, I think his name was, and he got stabbed in the stomach. Mm, yeah, yeah. That was where I teared up a bit because like, they did a really good job, in my opinion, showing the emotion that like Caesar is kind of blind. He just wants to get rid of these humans and he's forgetting that some of his friends are willing to die for him. And it's not until it's too late that it's actually he's realizing that maybe he should be smarter about this plan. Yeah. What about the very end? Did you cry at all or tear up at all um, with Caesar? It wasn't like, as emotional as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it wasn't. Like there, there were there were times when I could feel it get emotional. Yeah. Um, but it didn't quite get me there. Yeah, that's exactly uh, how I felt. Like I know when, I I know when uh, what's her name Nova the the young girl who's with the apes when she saw that her dad got killed like. Like, I could feel the emotion in that. Oh, that's why that one got me when Luca the gorilla died, because she hugged him and she put oh, the flower. Yeah. That's what that got me, when yeah. she put the flower that he had just given her a few hours earlier in the story. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so I, I think she brought she brought a very emotional aspect to the, the movie. Um, she can't talk. Yep. So that was really interesting. And, and the fact that she could act out all these scenes without talking was was great especially with people who are actual apes when they're filming it it's just people in skin tight suits motion yep. and she was able to convey that um act off of those people yeah and uh i think yeah another one of the the deaths that really it got me like not uh, not teary but it really like was a powerful death was the one ape who was Working with the humans. Oh, donkey. Yeah. That's well, a, they yeah. nicknamed him donkey. I can't remember what his actual name was. So it, it was just the one donkey. I thought they named him all donkey. all donkeys, but I I'd have to look it up on IMDb what his name was. But okay, well that that one in particular, like when he saw that Caesar was about to get killed by one of the humans, the yeah. crossbow guy. Yep. Um, he decides to not uh listen to the orders from one of the humans. And he takes his like grenade, grenade launcher, launcher <laughs> and blasts the guy with the crossbow away and, and saves Caesar's life. And then the human behind him shoots yeah, him in the back. Yeah, right after that, the human, he looks back and he's just like, what are you doing? And then he pulls out his gun and just shoots him right in the head. And just yeah, for context for that, there's some apes who are on the human side because they don't believe in Caesar as a leader. So the one that Down was just talking about, this ape finally remembered what Caesar was all about. And then yeah. he, he helped Caesar out one last time and turned he's, on the humans. He's in it to save the apes. Not, he's not in it for himself. Yeah. So. And that's what a lot of people who are a lot of the apes that were following Koba. They from thought, the second movie. Yeah. They thought that that's what his whole thing was just to save himself. Yep. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a great, a great scene. Yeah. Well, that is it, I guess, for our review. I don't have anything else to say about those movies. Both really, really good movies, Spider-Man Homecoming and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Not Battle. War for the Planet of the Apes. Uh, yeah, it should have been Battle. Yeah, it should have been Battle. That, that um, title was taken. Yeah. Uh, 
go check out the movies. Um, go see them in the theater. Go see them the biggest screen you can. Uh, if you live in Orem, Utah, go to Megaplex. Screw Cinemark because Cinemark sound and their theater sc- their screens. Everyone's always like, but they have luxury seats now. I'm like, I don't give a crap. I'm always about sound and screen size. Uh, so the the Megaplex has IMAX screens for Homecoming, and they have some big screens for Planet of the Apes. So go check those out. And I give War for the Planet of the Apes a nine. I'd out say, of 10. yep, I would say exact same nine out of ten. It's a very good conclusion to the trilogy. I did read that they have scripts ready for a fourth one i don't know where they're going to go but hopefully that they said that they're not going to remake the first one with charlton heston from nineteen sixty. but they have ideas for stories that can either be around that same time or before or at the same the same exact time but just from a different perspective maybe yeah because this if you were to put a timeline on this third movie that we just saw you could argue that it's maybe 20 or 30 years before the original Planet of the Apes starts that where Charlton Heston crash lands on the planet and finds the the planet overrun with apes. So um, so this is the end of our podcast. But, Dallin, where can people find you if they want to follow you? You're into filming. and You're into editing. They can find me all over. Okay. <laughs> so you're on Facebook. I don't know if they want, you want to friend people you don't know, though. That's up to you. Yeah, they can do whatever they want. But uh, I'm on YouTube. Okay. Dallin Lucas. You have your own YouTube channel. Yes. And what is this YouTube channel, YouTube channel for? Um, I haven't na- nailed it down yet. It's just me just throwing stuff onto the canvas and just making random movies or just vlogs or anything that just really comes to my mind. I'll just make it and then post it on there. I haven't consistently been doing that, but I plan on doing that soon, like weekly. Yeah, so go and support Down. Check out his videos. If you want to, you can subscribe, but he ain't begging for him because that's stupid. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, go uh, follow Down, and I'm sure you're on Twitter too, but I don't mean you don't use Twitter much. I maybe we should once I, I get this I podcast probably will going. Eventually. Yeah. Um, again, my name is John Lyon. I'm the host. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, on Twitter at John Ed Lyon, like Ed is an Edward. Um, I'm on Instagram, and then this podcast is the first episode. We're going to film not film we're gonna record maybe to be consistent when i'm starting this thing out maybe twice a week i think that's a good consistency of starting out um and i'll release them i'll post them on facebook uh if anyone ever wants to be on the podcast just hit me up um and we'll get some topics we can talk about like i said we're not gonna just talk about movies and music and video games i also want to have topics uh that people are interested in when it has to do with what's going on in the world society how to pick your major at college uh how to have a good job interview. Like I'm interested in any different kind of topics, as long as we have a dialogue and as long as we have a communication where we're able to discuss these things. And right now it's just me and down. I do have a third microphone. So next week or one of the episodes, we will have three people and that'll get a little more interesting. But anyways, uh, you guys have a good rest of your week. And, uh, again, we'll see you next time on the John Lyon podcast. See you.